Welcome to the Moon God Pod. I'm your host, JYLAX. Also, Jason Harrell is my real name, uh, but you can find me in the Discord, JYLAX. With me always is my big man, Love Ox. And today we are welcoming Wiggles, Moon God Extraordinaire. I've uh, been looking forward to talking to him. Um, I'm going to say that about probably every Moon God, but that's the beauty of this show. Uh, obviously, for those that are new to the show, the Moon God is the pinnacle of Aku World, created by Micah Johnson. Um, there are Akutars, and then there are Mega Moon Gods, uh, which you can see in the bottom corner of Wiggles' profile picture. Um, that's what we all wanted. We wanted the Moon Gods. Then there's the status of having all 10 chapters, which is the real Moon God. Um, with that said, uh, we when we were off camera or before we hit record, uh, we were... Uh, kind of talking about a lot of interesting things. And Wiggles, I want to kind of jump right into it. Um, first, like, uh, what are you kind of doing in the space now? And then uh, we'll get into how you came about with Aku. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jason and Ox. Um, in the Web3 space right now, I'm co-founding uh, a media company uh, called Decenter Daily. And so we're focused on creating community-generated uh, content. Um, initially, we've been putting out a newsletter ourselves, building out a website, uh, creating a content funnel that makes sense for Web3 partnerships. And we're gonna be wrapping that up at some point. Um, so that's, yeah, Decentra Daily, which we started. And there's two other moon gods that are on that team. Um, they're not very active moon gods. I'm the most active, so I, I won't mention them. Um, and then I'm also working part-time for this uh, gaming studio called Infinigods, um, which is creating games like tower defense, um, civilization type games that are um, blockchain based, NFT based. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my, uh, where I'm at right now in the NFT space. So I wanted to touch on that uh, right out the gate because um, Loveox and I were fortunate enough to go to Gallivers in Malta and the Web3 gaming is something that a lot of people have a lot of questions about. Um, and it seems like nobody really knows the direction. Like every project that you run across kind of says, you know, we're going to build a game. And one thing is for certain when we were at Gallivers that I personally learned is that um, like I always kind of knew it took a lot to put on a game. But man, like it takes a lot to put on a game, especially a web three. Can you kind of just touch on like that kind of experience that in, in the obstacles um, with what you're trying to do? Indeed. So yeah, the, ga the gaming side. So within Finnegods, I'm not really um, involved in that bit, but we have uh, Damon Gura and Owen O'Donoghue. And I mentioned uh, off camera that Owen um, was the head of uh, director of gaming at Facebook um, before he started um, with Infinigods co-founded that with Damon. Uh, so, you know, th they're, they're um, developing this catalog of games and they're focused on making these games um, fun and like immersive. You know, I think that's the number one thing in this whole space. You know, we're kind of putting the, the cart before the horse um, in, you know, creating all these like fancy tokenomics, you know, visuals and stuff. But like, is the gameplay actually fun? And that's where I think like, you know, the good projects are going to differentiate. It's like, you know, create a good game and then, and start tokenizing it, but like slowly do it. Like don't get, you know, like a lot of these token, you know, tokenomics might not work. You know, we see with Axie Infinity, is it, is it sustainable? Whereas, you know, Infinity Gods is starting with like the tokenization of like the actual assets rather than um, like an ERC 20 uh, token to start. Um, so I think that, yeah, like you got to focus on making like quality games first and i think that's where like having web 2 um like game designers can be very important because they know like how to create fun games because that's their whole you know bread and butter that's how they make money um we so i, I i'm going to defer to lovox on this and and kind of jump in here um when we're looking like like we were seeing so many games uh kind of rolling out um at Gulliver's and you know some of them look really amazing and we're definitely uh we're bullish um but at the same time like like selling the nfts for the games now um 
in regards to like the timeline, you know, I, I just, it's, it's really kind of hard for me to kind of grasp and we kind of have discussed this, um, what that means. So what I'm hearing and what it makes sense to me is like kind of build the game first, then worry about the NFTs and and in the NFT space. However, it's almost kind of like build the NFTs, fund the games. So is there, what's the magic sauce there? Do you think? Hmm. Well, and that, and that's the. I mean, uh, Infinite Gods, for example, had nine million in funding first. You know, to get this all started, so they didn't have to fund their project with, um, you know, NFT uh, or cons- consumers essentially. Um, which is is very nice. The fact that they don't rely completely on you know selling their NFTs or or secondary market sales to build their game. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, you know, pretty important because then otherwise there's like pressure because it's like, you know, we funded the game, like when, when, when kind of thing where it's like, you know, okay, let's, you know, go out and find our own funding. And maybe, maybe there's an argument there that, you know, you're going to be beholden to who funded you. But also I think that it allows you, gives you time and um, to develop something like of quality and then figure out how to scale that to consumers as well. That's kind of, yeah, my thoughts on that. Don't know that answered no it's great it's great um so now let's kind of just go back because i do want to kind of tie this into um you know the aku world and especially like miami's experience last year um but let's let's just go back and what was kind of not just your introduction to aku but like how did you what's your introduction to just nfts in general and then how did you come across aku so my introduction to NFTs was through NBA Top Shot, like I think probably the majority of us. When, um, when what month did you uh, first uh, sign up? I think I think it was like November, November ish, twenty twenty. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, we were January twenty twenty one. Yeah, that that first deck, the hoops pack, was the like really kind of our first like big pack drop. That was actually, I think, my first big pack drop. Before then, I was just buying, you know, like the ten dollar common packs. Yeah. Um, and I remember I got like a a Giannis, you know, one of eighty something, eighty four or something like that, in in my you know that that pack, and I was stoked. And then I like, I think I sold it for fifteen hundred bucks or something like that, and I was ecstatic. Yeah. Um, and that was actually my first inter- in introduction to you and Ox um, was I watched a podcast with, with you interviewing, I think, Alan from Dapper Labs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was the first time. So that was, uh, yeah. And then obviously seeing, not knowing you guys were in Aku and then running into you guys at the, the Grails, Moon God drinks and dinner. I was, yeah, small NFT world. It really is. And then you you kind of don't even realize like, like I like I had that's crazy that we were that first podcast was something that you got you actually seen, you know? and Alan was great. I just you know the whole we, we so we did that uh, deck the hoops, and um, I pulled a, a LeBron, oh, uh, nice. LeBron decks the hoops, and then I think it was like a week later, and there that was when there were still packs where you could just buy and. I, it was almost like we were just bored one Saturday night and it's like, why don't we just open a couple more packs? And then mm-hmm. it ended up, I think, you know, buying like 20, 30 packs each and just, just actually enjoying it and having fun. But mm-hmm. uh, I remember what was fascinating about that deck, the hoops is that um, I think, I think we sold it for around 8,000, you know, mm-hmm. as a brawn, but then you know, that skyrocket of the month from, you know, January 1st to end of February, you know, and, and then you see, and it's listed for like 80,000. It's just like, what, did we, what were we thinking? <laughs> you know, but nobody could have predicted in all those board packs that we open, you know, that's what, you know, our, I, I remember like there was like a week or two where I would just refresh and be like, I'm up a thousand dollars. I'm up a thousand, another thousand. Like it yeah. was insane. Print, printing money, pinching magic internet dapper bucks. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. At least, I mean, at least $8,000 could probably buy you like a uh, good psychologist or something. Yeah. For that. Wiggles, first of all, thank you for coming. I uh, definitely appreciate you. 
Um, I noticed earlier you mentioned the term community-generated content. Can you speak to that? Because I believe that a lot of Web3 programs are going in that direction, and many folks may not understand exactly what that means. Yeah, well, I think it's like a, an evolving you know, concept. Uh, we, you know, be, began writing um, a Web3 NFT-centric uh, newsletter and creating kind of like a media company based around that. Um, but we, we, you know, started putting together articles and at some point we figured that we weren't doing justice to some, to some things, um, you know, cause you know, for a writer to like go and say, write a guide on Haku. And if you spend a couple of days on that, even like, you don't know the, the intricacies of like that community for community, for example. So we're trying to figure out a way that's sustainable that where we can either, um, collaborate with experts, you know, like Jason and yourself on, on specific projects that would, you know, help produce content. You know, if you're producing that content anyways, we want to be able to give that a platform as well. And then perhaps figure out traditional web two um, revenue models and how we can funnel that down to, um, to like the community that is helping generate the content. I mean, like the ideal way we, we see it is, Experts are, you know, in different fields, whether that's ENS domains, Aku, you know, project specific, where it's tokenomics, are writing and producing content, which maybe they would be producing anyways, most likely in the Web3 space, because so many people are producing it for free, and then figuring out a way to curate that um, for the largest possible reach, and figuring out you know, a unique revenue model where people can, you know, where it's sustainable, essentially. So... Are you finding non-Web3 users finding your content and, and, and digesting your content? And how are you finding those folks? Um, so that that has been a difficulty. And we're starting to reach out to um, to like consumers and on, on LinkedIn. That's going to be like our, one of our main driving forces, um, capturing the attention outside of um you know the twitter sphere and uh you know our silos and discord and etc we want to we want to produce um different content kind of verticals for different people whether it's you know the linkedin people that want to get interested or want to you know uh, i guess cross that gap to twitter twitter and like nft content kind of thing and make it like digestible because a lot of a lot of the content you see on twitter isn't digestible for like, you know, the average, uh, let's say more white collar person on, 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 uh, on LinkedIn and, and vice versa. So we were, we're trying to create content that kind of can bring in, I guess, multiple people from different, um, yeah, different like media platforms. What, you know, I, I, I have this issue and, and we, we ask all our guests and we talk about all the time. It's just, like when you're trying to explain, um, and I'll and I'll make it even simpler if it is simpler. Like when you're trying to uh, like explain NFTs and certainly like a project like Aku and why people should kind of adopt this and uh, and not just kind of roll their eyes, call it the Beanie Babies of mm -hmm. like what 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 is your kind of I don't want to say argument, but like how how do you kind of pitch? the whole uh, Web3 and NFTs and Aku? I always pitch it as like, um, essentially cr crowdsourcing, crowdsourcing the, the development of, an, of a particular IP where that creator can choose to reward you however they see fit, whether it's, you know, financially um, through experiences, um, access to in real life events and such um and i always yeah i think it's you know the the power back in the in the people's hands rather than you know D disney creating ip and then it's just like you know all their head honchos making all the money you know like not spreading it out to the consumers not being involved in the actual development of the ip um so that's where that's how i usually explain it you know in in simple terms to to people i'm dealing with you know if you want to have a say in developing Disney's IP, how are you going to do that? Whereas, you know, if I want to have a say in, you know, Aku's IP, I can literally, you know, DM Micah or maybe like there's a Moon God Council. Like there's there's a much clearer path to feed, like a, I guess some sort of positive feedback loop and yeah, community generated content in a way.
you know, that's what I, that's what I got into the NFT space for. Like what grabbed my attention outside of prices going up in Top Shot is, you know, what you can really do as a community and how you can have, you know, it, for example, Board Ape, you know, you, you have like whatever, 25,000 more holders now when you include the other side lands. And it's like, they're all like marketers for you now, right? They want you to succeed. They want your brand to succeed because financially now they're invested and, the more um the more known that brand becomes likely the you know your asset appreciates more people want it so um what was the first thing that kind of onboarded you to aku like was was there a moment was it just kind of you know cuz it sounds like we've kind of been around the, we we have similar uh growth patterns uh although i think you, you were taking accelerated courses while i was in the remedial but so what was that first, uh, you know, onboarding for Aku for you and and what made you gravitate towards that, especially to, you know, become a Moonga? Because I can tell you as much as we loved the art and we did the interview with Micah on the old podcast, you know, at the same time, it's like it was, you know, without knowing that there was going to be free chapters, it's like I this dude wants me to invest $10,000 into being a Moon God, you know, like. That was that was kind of a hard pill to swallow. As time went on, it was actually a lot easier of a task. But uh, so, yeah. what, so what was it for you? Yeah. Um, let's see what got me hook, line, and sinker. Um, I don't know. My so my yeah, my Aku journey step started with you know just seeing um, chapter one on uh, Nifty Gateway. So I watched like the chapter one video and didn't really know what it was about. It just caught my eye. So I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, what is, what is this about? Kind of just probably just read the description, went away, you know, saw it again. And then an OG from Top Shot, um, AG. I don't know if you know AG. He shit posts a lot on. on... <laughs> I love his. He's one of my... Yeah, so he's from Vancouver. So yeah, um, we have some, you know, some mutual connections. Um, but he posted something about it on Twitter and it was like, I don't know, it's that rule of three or something. You see something a few times, you should probably go back. Um, and I went back to it and, uh, yeah, looked into it, kind of looked into what Micah was building, fell in love with like the character. I was like, okay, I can see like Aku becoming like a, you know, a household character. And then I think I got in, you know, got in the discord, ended up buying the first two chapters, uh, came in for the chapter three mint, um, and yeah, the rest was history. But I think the the thing that got me was, yeah, the, the road to achieving like moon god status. Because I was like, okay, you know, like, I don't know what this is going to become. But like, either way, there's going to be experiences tied to it. I, I was like, maybe, maybe revenue or something like that. Like, didn't really, I guess, know. Um, I guess definitely considered it maybe more of like a maybe a financial investment at the beginning, um, which turned into more of a you know, uh, I guess loving, loving what the whole project was about, right? Dreaming and, you know, achieving your goals and, you know, giving voices to underrepresented populations, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess becoming a moon god was kind of what uh, first got me. So I think that was, you know, brilliant marketing on his behalf or the team's behalf at that point, you know, be one of, and then ending up being after that chapter three, being like, okay, there's can only ever be, you know, 500 and what is it 79 of us or something like that with uh statues is that close uh, to it there's 529 chapter moon gods like potential i don't know yeah how actually they're unique holders are and then now with the mega moon gods which isn't the same um you know but i imagine at some point they'll probably you know kind of lump us together mm-hmm so, so you mentioned um, achieving moon god status and finding that chapter one. And that chapter one, by the way, was definitely, I think, what, what caught my attention. You know, what is it now that's at providing allure for you to stay and kind of continue the journey and, and see how this thing unfolds? Like, what are you looking forward to in the future? Um, so, like, I've, I've, because of the, I guess, the floor prices that, uh, you know, Aku hit and, and I guess where they're down from, it's like, I psychologically have kind of detached myself from floor prices now. Like I've overcome the trauma of, of that. And I mean, Top Shot obviously helped me initially, but uh, like I, I'm here just because I, I can, 
I want to see like what Aku and Micah and like all of us, you know, together can, can achieve regarding the IP, like, you know, whether that's, you know, different education verticals, um, you know, sports, uh, financing different, you know, cool projects, like through a mood God council. I know that was, you know, talked on, I don't know if that's still in the plan. So I'm just like, I'm just excited to be involved for like for the long run and, you know, hopefully maybe have, have some sort of say in things. And like, you know, Mike is going off and, and developing the IP, like it's, you know, would be good showing out at Disney in France right now. Who knows what he's doing there, but uh, um, yeah. And just, and like, you know, offering to help wherever I can, you know, whether that's, you know, like using, you know, uh, an Aku as a, you know, educational content writer, um, character in, you know, Decentral Daily, whether that's, yeah, building another, you know, some sort of vertical around Aku that makes sense. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm excited to see, see it move forward. When we did Miami last year, what was your takeaway coming out of that? And now what would your expectations be for this year? Are you going this year? Uh, I am not going this year, unfortunately. Dude, that's a that's a poke. <laughs> I know, I know. I I wish I'm I'm yeah. I'm going to be down in Australia, unfortunately, and I have a a lot of uh, family here that I essentially have neglected over the past two years since Fortress Australia was put up during COVID, um, so I couldn't come back. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like the the experience, like as you know, was was amazing down in uh, in Miami. Um, like it, I guess it kind of blew all my expectations away, just how like big league it seemed, um, uh, and how, how well we were treated, you know, being holders there, you know, being able to meet Micah, being able to meet the team kind of just, yeah, it was, it, 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 it kind of made NFTs for me much more real because before that I, I had just been talking to, you know, random people on the internet. And then when you actually, you know, like get together and all sit down, it's like, oh, like, you know, you're JWoww, you're, you know, you're Ox, like, you know, you're Tuggy, you're whoever, whoever it may be. And it kind of just, it really, it makes it feel a lot more real. Um, so that, that's, I think what it, you know, instilled in me. And then like even seeing, you know, meeting Micah and just realizing how like down to earth he is as a, as a creator and like how passionate he was about this, you know, and like when it went as a night uh well whole I mean whole week for whatever few days it was for for him with a focus on him he would just seem like he wasn't like reveling in it there was like something in him that was like yo this is just the beginning you know and that yeah I just want to mention like I just remember because I basically spent every day you know like uh you know at Aku World even mm -hmm. though it was like a you know recycled every day but uh, just running into people and stuff but you would just see Micah and he was, it was almost like you wouldn't even know it was his exhibit. He was just standing there looking around like, yeah, like, like one of us, you know, uh, he's, he's very humble and, and approachable. And, and that was, uh, that was great. And I, I've obviously run into him a few times since then too. And, and, uh, yeah, that that's, he, it's kind of like, we, we have that saying, like, we are Aku or that's an Aku thing. And, and he's definitely, you know, um, like a real life version of Aku, an older version. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And yeah, I mean, like anyone that is like borderline considering going to Aku World, considering going down for that, it, it's it's still being held during Art Art Basel, right? Right. Um. Yeah. Like I would say, you know, book your ticket, just go. You won't regret it. In my opinion. I've been fortunate and I met several folks who've kind of caught the NFT bug from Australia. Is there a tight knit group of you guys there or am I just kind of generalizing? No, there, there is a tight group here. Um, I've actually like, I'm pretty deep in the pixel vault community. That's where my um, uh, profile picture wiggles is from. He's a yeah, meta hero core character in their ecosystem. So they're building comics around him, but th through that community, I've met quite a few Aussies Um and yeah, they, they lived in, you know, a lot of, a lot in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. I don't really know any in Adelaide, but there seems like yeah, a strong core down here. And I don't really know why that is, but well, maybe, I mean, a lot of Aussies love basketball. So, I mean, like, <laughs> so come to think of it, I would assume a lot got onboarded with Top Shot and then through that potentially got into other NFTs like, like us.
So I've definitely heard of the Pixel Vault and I've heard of the Pixel Comics. I remember when the, the first issue came out and I never quite pulled the trigger. How was Pixel Vault going in trying to bridge the, the, the gap that I think all um, Web3 based projects are trying to do and, and attract new folks from outside of the, you know, the NFT ecosystem? Mm-hmm. So I think they're, they're kind of just like creating multiple verticals um, that will, you know, appeal to different, uh, different niches. So they have like a pixel vault sports vertical, which uh, has partnered with the major league baseball and also with Dana White. Um, so actually the MLB, like, I think it's like highlight of the week is now called pixel vault heroic hands. It comes up wow. on like, you know, it comes up on the screen. Um when there's like a good catch or whatever. Um, and I, yeah, I know they have more plans for the MLB partnership. Uh, not too sure what um, is going to happen with uh, Dana White slash UFC kind of kind of vertical they're building. But I think they want to do uh, create content and storytelling around like athletes as well. Um, so that's kind of that's one vertical. Uh, the punks comic vertical is like essentially comic books, so appealing to you know comic book nerds kind of thing, uh, and creating like you know good quality storylines for their characters, just like I guess you could say Marvel and stuff like that. And then their last um, vertical is uh, Meta Hero Universe, which is going to be gaming centric. Uh, so like play to earn gaming, just think of that and underlying kind of all of this, they, with a a lot of their mint funds, they created a large DAO, um, which is going to feed into the like meta hero universe gaming, uh, system. It's called the, the updo, um, which there's $22 million in the updo. And if you own planetary tokens, like you, you know, uh, have voting rights over that, um, those DAO funds and we're going to like work, I guess, DAO owners, I won't say we, but we're, uh, they're going to work side by side with pixel vault to, I guess, make the MetaHero universe gaming platform come to life. So it's yeah. These decentralized kind of storytelling and, you know, ability to contribute. That's what I like. So Ox came up with this, uh, question. He always wants to ask, uh, about getting rugged. Love, you want to take that? We've all had the project where, hey, I wish I didn't do that, or man, I lost my shorts. You know, I, that that was a horrible trade. What, what? Uh, as someone who's been experienced in the NFT space, I have many. Curious to get your best one. Ooh, where have I been rugged? Uh, uh, let's see. I think. So I have two, I think I have two different stories. Um, so I, I minted, uh, I think slum doge back in the day, that was a uh, slum dog or something like that. Uh, I think I minted like 20 of them instead, instead of buying a second board ape at the time. Uh, and yeah, their, their, their team ended up completely ghosting on the project. Um, so that, that definitely hurt, you know, having that opportunity cost just, <laughs> watching you know maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars just walk away from you in that in with that decision i made so that hurt um and uh yeah there's another there was like another project that i think my my feelings were more were more rugged for it was like house house of kiba um which i thought had like incredible potential because they are the first uh project that really came out and caught my eye visually like creating like yeah, creating um, 3D environments, talked about play to earn. Um, and yeah, their team just was not really receptive to, you know, uh, criticisms or at least constructive criticism. And that's something I really, you know, now now value is like trusting my gut um, on things and not just being like, oh, these guys are smarter than me. These guys are like the smartest guys in the room kind of thing. It's like, sometimes you have to be like, no, you know what? Like, I don't believe in, in a lot of decisions that are being made. And now like I need to cut my losses. So. I think there's a, we, there's a word or phrase positive toxicity. And I think that runs rampant through, uh, NFT projects, especially when everything is going good. And boy, when it turns like, like I get annoyed sometimes where like, 
you know, like the GMs in the mornings, that's fine. But when it's just like, you know, people are just, you know what I'm talking about, that positive toxicity. Mm -hmm. It's like good vibes, good vibes, good vibes. And nobody's talking about the elephant in the room. And like, I I, I feel like, um, like with Top Shot, uh, as the best example is like, man, for two, three months, like you, they could do no wrong. And, and I think a lot of people could kind of see some writing on the wall, but, it, but that what you kind of got to where I would just sit there and I was like, they've got to be smarter than me. Right. I can't, mm -hmm. I'm nobody. Like I have no experience in this, but these are things that I definitely would not be focused on or doing. And then they do them and then, psh, you know, and, uh, and you mentioned, uh, AG from Vancouver, like, you know, for, I, I love his Twitter feed, especially when Top Shot posts anything. I know, I know it's great. <laughs> quick to the, quick to the trigger, you know, but I think you need a balance. It can't just be all puppy dogs and rainbows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually, ch I changed my rug answer ox to Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is what rugged me most because <laughs> I'm a diehard Toronto Raptors fan. Um, and I was just so bullish on, you know, the potential of top shot and what, you know, it could really do for fandom and how you could, you know, uniquely reward people and like, you know, the game they were going to come out with and, and just everything. And it was just like, just turned into just something I like, I will never open that website again. It's funny you say that. Like when, when we first found top shot, it was, it's probably the best example of like me just loving nfts <clears throat> the, the sound of the pack cracking open and then the moments and then the, the different colors under what you got like it was really like they really they found something and man man do they squander it at the same time like it's 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 yeah. a little disappointing yeah no i i, I yeah I, I agree like visually every everything was like perfect everything and then they i think just took their consumers for granted right just I, I, yeah thing we find that um, you know folks are either going to be chapter guys or they're going to be Akutar guys in, in our ecosystem. What is uh, what do you lean like? What is your favorite? Do you find yourself leaning towards chapters or or, or Akutars? Mm. I think like there's so many unknowns for me in terms of like the utility. So I, I you know I I initially so I, for example I have I think forty chapters um, and I think I have. 25 or something Akutars. I've only sold one Aku asset in since I've been in, which is was a chapter three actually. Um, but uh, so I guess you could say I'm kind of both. I think I I see the chapters as more of like a foundation, and hopefully, you know, that we're they were always pointed to in the rewards. I guess that we would get would be more towards chapter holders. Uh, and then I envision the Akutars maybe uh, having quite a, a large part in a play-to-earn gaming ecosystem. And that's why I was very bullish on those, because I'm just bullish on play-to-earn gaming um, in general. And I liked the, fa the fact that, you know, similar to Infinigods or these games I'm bullish on, you'd have the assets, play-to-earn assets before any sort of tokenomics um, released. And... So yeah, I, I think I'm 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 equally bullish. If I was to buy something right now, I'd probably be buying chapters, cheap chapters. Um, so I guess I'm a chapter guy. What's the, what's the last thing that you bought? Aku related. Uh, the last thing that I bought. Um, I think. I think maybe it was yeah it was three Akutars for like. I think four ETH each, uh, four ETH each, um, right after mint. Uh, so down, so down a little bit on those. So those, I mean, it's coming up to the end of the year. I might need to, I might need to sell those and and eat my losses. Take the tax hit. Yeah. I well, no. what I did, I did uh, not financial advice, guys, um, but I sold all those mint. Like I, I bought like three mint passes right before. Um, you know, we went uh, before it minted solely so I could sell the NFT later for like 50 bucks. So yeah. that was kind of the move that I made for tax purposes. And uh, and at the time, I was really concerned about tax purposes because, you know, before Black Friday, 
in the Aku world, you know, I was I was like, man, I might need to move to Puerto Rico to figure this tax situation out. <laughs> like I was I legit was like counting the months and like how many months do I when's when do I need to be in Puerto Rico to qualify as resident and all that stuff. Uh didn't uh, didn't have to worry about that after all. Um <laughs> but I do think uh I, I've always said like I feel like the the true moon god of the chapter holders is kind of like this cool mastermind. Um, but I think, like, see what I how am I saying this? What I would like to see is that more people um, get awareness of like the mega and the potential, but also have more, I guess, clearly defined what that potential for the mega could be. Because I think that you know that's something that's been slept on, and you know we could argue that. Well, what I thought when we went to Mint was that the first 500 of the rarest were all going to be the moon gods, you know, and maybe a couple of the like hand-drawn ones sprinkled in there. And then when that mm-hmm. rarity thing comes out, you know, some of the moon gods are like, you know, pretty, their, their rankings are pretty low. And, you know, when you're onboarding all the new people, like you just you don't realize what's exactly special. It's that, that rarity number really kind of matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I guess what I'm getting at for you is, is uh, if there is something that you are looking at, um, is it just solely kind of sweeping up some chapters or it, what, what's that moon God IP? What does that resonate with you? Uh, yes. I, I saw you talking about like, so using the moon God IP. Well, yeah, and, and and how attractive is that to uh, people coming into the space? Uh, I think, it, I mean, yeah, I think it, we have to, for me, I'm in kind of like a holding pattern until to like wait and see like, you know, what further things come out with Aku, you know, like, and I think that's with a lot of, you know, projects like, um, you know, Mike, Mike is building. And I think that I don't really, I don't see a clear path to like, right now in this moment to like a value proposition you know for me to i guess like say one way or the other on you know the the mega og or like moon gods in general um like i i don't know if i can good conscience i guess like offer financial advice to like you know like to someone to buy those Mm -hmm. like financially you know like i think it's going to be like a great project and I think it's going to be IP that we see ideally at, you know, I think we're going to see it all around the, all around the world, but then how does that, you know, translate to our, you know, mega OGs to our moon God status? Like, I think that is, we have a lot of, tr- you know, a lot of trust in Micah and the team. Um, and again, I don't There's been so many big moves, you know, the time magazine, you know, the NASA, you know, taking an NFT to space, um, Aku world and things. I like, I feel like, like, I, I don't, I can't predict what like the next big thing, you know, that could, you know, help propel. I also don't know that like, you know, just like LeBron James changing his profile picture to a moon God. Um, does that move the needle in the market that we're in? So what, what do you think is like something that you would like to see that would have like a real positive effect on like just the overall uh, Aku world. I think the yeah, because I mean, yeah, you see Aku on the cover of you know Time magazine. We yeah, we don't know if you know LeBron would help changing his profile picture. Um, I think for me, the most exciting thing is like I want to see Aku as like a compelling character in like a TV series or a movie, um, and if that uh, content, you know, is compelling quality, there's, you know, great storytelling. I think that is like the easiest road to, you know, success. And I think, and I, and that's why I trust, you know, Mike and team, because I think that's, that's exactly what they're doing. Like I know they're developing a movie and I think that if that, you know, gets out there and then the one thing for me is I would like Aku, whether it was an NFT or not. And that's what pretty much sold me on it. And that's where I think like our biggest, you know, value thing is. And maybe that turns into like, do people want these to show that they're a part of like amazing IP and it's maybe just a flex thing, you know, like, you know, there's that value proposition because we, as we know, in this world, like, you know, flexing and 
having something that you don't have and someone else has like there's always that element to it um yeah and then whatever you know sort of utility we get up get from the team directly um movie premieres you know and all that you know all that kind of stuff so i think yeah i don't know I, i'm just i'm trusting the team and developing cool ip and i think that just like generally flows down um to yeah to to uh holders of you know both akutars and chapters um and i you know not financial advice i don't know if i'll make any money off it and i completely detach from that and yeah yeah did you so there's two things i wanted to hit on and then we'll kind of get to the end of the end of the show um that i recently saw and the first one i just i just want to get someone else's thoughts on that project where 40 minutes after they closed minting one of the founders died <laughs> yeah that? I, I i saw it i saw a few tweets on it and i think i saw that yeah it was it was running in some discord that i was in like is that real like is that real that's that can't be real, right? No, no, it's not real. It's it's shock, it's shock value. I think I think they came out with like an, another tweet after or something and said he, he was resurrected or some some shit like that. I I yeah, no, I, but I mean like that's the thing I love about the Web three space is like you can almost do anything here, you know, like and you can try out different marketing tactics. You can just like have fun that you know like traditional brands and marketing can't can't really do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like imagine a brand doing that. I mean, like, I don't really know what context you could do that. What if you could fake like a founder's death or something like that? That would not go over well. But here it's just like, oh, another day in NFTs. You know, it's like we're living out just like, I don't know, these just weird alternate universe, like that if you showed your parents your Twitter feed, they'd be like, What the heck? Like, who are you? Like, yeah. um, so, you know, I I like that sort of stuff I just find like kind of enter- entertaining. I would never invest in a project like that, but I mean, they're having fun. Like, and and so I also wanted to ask. Um, I don't I don't know if you are a board ape holder, but I feel like you were at one point at least. Am I safe mm-hmm. to assume that without you know yeah. without revealing your bags? Yeah, uh, no, I I I wasn't I was an ape holder. I'm not anymore. I, I have a mutant ape, but that is the extent of my board ape bag. So I think like, like if you were, uh, you know, like an NBA team and, you know, you're like the Oklahoma City Thunder, you're always looking at the other teams that are, you know, the Golden States, you know, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, like the top teams and how can they move and make moves to get to that top echelon. So for this, the Board Apes is obviously number one. Is there something that you, besides timing, which actually is very huge, is there something that that community is doing that Aku's kind of missing the boat on? And is there something that they, that Aku uh, could do that would still be in line with who they are? That's similar to the board apes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like that's, I think with board apes they you know a lot of holders just they made them their digital identities and like i i definitely understand the psychology behind that because selling my ape at the time was a hard thing to do because like that was kind of how i started to forge my relationships within within the nft space um and you know you make connections people refer to you as that it's like your little alter like superhero alter ego in a in a in a in a way, you know, you don't have to really worry about what you say. You can try things out because no one knows who you are. Mm. Um, and I think the power of like digital identities is like huge and has like a very strong network effect. And I think for me, you know, that's where like just Aku is more of a movement rather than, you know, like all of us having like Aku profile pictures as much because I, a lot of the time I look on Twitter and I can't tell, you know, like two Akutars apart sometimes, you know, I'm like, I just like, Oh, that, that person's in Aku. Like I, I can get down with them, you know, rather than board apes. Like I can usually recognize whose ape is who kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might have like, just like, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with, but like, uh, you don't really, I don't know. Aku is not really individualized, I guess. 
the way that bored apes are. Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not in Aku as much, but I don't hear people talking about like, I want, this is my forever Aku, Akutar, you know, whereas like you hear that a little bit more in bored ape. Um, and, and from that, yeah. yeah. I feel like the moon gods, you can do that with, cause there's not as yeah. many and there's, and yeah. there, you know, there's a uniqueness, like, you know, I, I, mine, uh, that I use is, you know, I'm not a huge Prince fan, but as soon as I saw it, like, uh, my first thought was, I was like, man, that's like the Prince of mega of, you know, moon gods. I was like, I, I got to roll with that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, love Ox, uh, he's got a few but you know with like the slick black suit and a bat like you know he's a he's a sharp sharp dude that's can throw some punches you know that's, that's yeah fitting for him you know no no i can see that for sure like so like what what are your thoughts on like the ip and like um what I, you'd want to do well i was reading this thread uh which is what made me kind of go into it and i'm just always curious you know what like other communities involvements are doing um outside of mine i the board apes like there was this thread and it basically broke down like what they did early on to get success by Mm -hmm. gifting apes to celebrities um you know basically giving like apes for free to uh to nft influencers and this like small build that they got to where it was all of a sudden it became cool. Cause I remember the night, you know, it was minting and they, so the thread said the first influencer that they gave an ape to was girl's dad. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's, he's a moon God too. So I can't wait to kind of ask him about that experience, but, you know, and then he posted about it, you know, shilled it. And then another, micro influencer another and then pranksy comes in and buys like a thousand of them or something crazy Mm -hmm. you know and then it still didn't like take off to the numbers right away but it kind of did it it was a genius marketing move and Mm -hmm. i think that some others have tried to replicate it like i you're in australia i was part of the lazy lions for a bit and you know like every time someone would tweet they would blast in the discord like hey guys new someone just bought one like show them love and you would you know your tweet would get like bombarded by you know the lions and and it was kind of cool but at the same time um i felt like it was disingenuous you know back Mm -hmm. to that positive toxicity type of thing so i just uh i just know how many cool people are attached to aku and mm-hmm. I just really kind of wish uh, more people knew about it, like that knew that the Pharrells and the Pushes and, uh, you know, LeBron's camp and, you know, like Trevor Noah and, um, you know, like I, I just kind of wish it was more of a thing where, you know, uh, we had that. With that said, um, I, th- I also believe that uh, there's this, like hype machine that can kind of work for floor values but i think that our i and i hope that our reward is certainly like in a long term you know like i i know that we don't have ownership but i at this i i still always just kind of feel like you know we're on like the ground floor of like facebook or tesla or something Mm -hmm. you know and uh, i hope we're there (laughs) i I think that's like where where maybe like Aku can differentiate is like, you know, we like, like the board ape founders, they're out there spreading you know, the, the board ape IP, you know, partnering with different people, pushing that, like, and I think that's what like, you know, Micah and Summer, um, Roger are all doing, you know, they're all out there creating these connections, you know, with Pusha T, LeBron, you know, TV shows, all that. And it's like, well, then how can us holders like be involved in maybe like the creation of the lore? Like we, we're all Aku, you know, like, how can we maybe drive like the storylines, the character development, you know, can we be involved in that, in that portion of it? You know, like, that's what I'd love to see. I always thought to like, like Oprah or Obama, like you can't tell me like, like they, I hope Mm -hmm. they know about it, but if they do not know about it, like that's, those are two people that are just, 
beyond just NFTs and the story and everything, it's like it just seems like something that's just right in line for them to really kind of get behind. And yeah, you know, and it, I mean, I obviously Obama's not changing his profile picture. I don't even know <laughs> if Oprah has a, her her actual Twitter. You know, that's you know, it's probably run by the company. But like, but if they were just, you know, I I wrote a book uh, years ago, and I just. I, I was able to market it such that it was a, you know, a top Amazon seller. But in the back of my mind, I was just like, I know if like Oprah ever, you know, put it on her book list, like I'm a New York bestseller overnight. Like that's, yeah. and, and there's, it seems like the same would be, uh would happen. And, uh, and the message, you know, it, it ties so well to those two. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you have to think the team is like aware of those, you know, connections and like what that would do for, you know, the project as a whole and the IP. Like, I mean, it just seems like such a, a fluid fit with, you know, with any of those people you mentioned, you know, and I like Occupy I can be see being the face of like, a, you know, some sort of movement, you know, for empowerment. And I really think that's like where Occu differentiates, differentiates itself from all these other NFT projects or, um, and yeah, that's, that's what I'd, I'd lean into that as hard as you can. So. Yeah. Wiggles and kind of to, uh, to, to add commentary to your question. I think one thing that we have that I didn't quite think about, it, it didn't register until now is we have a high barrier to entry. Now um, I think that not necessarily in regards to price, because I think in, in pricing terms, uh, folks uh, look at ETH a bit different than regular money, but I would say in regards to time, right? So we had chapter one, we have chapter two. And one thing that a lot of other projects had that we didn't have is this instantaneous explosive growth, right? Well, it takes us, it took us time to get to a moon god. <clears throat> it took time to release the Akutars. And, you know, by then you, you had several projects that have, you know, 10X, 20X, 30X, where we're still kind of slowly grinding it and getting, getting going. And then with that, all the social media marketing, I think we kind of missed some of that as well because, again, of the, I call it the high time uh, barrier of entry. Now, with that being said, I do think there's things that we can do as a community going forward to kind of spread the message around. But uh, just the the makeup of our community is just different, I think, than a lot of other communities. Therefore, it's not exactly uh, apples to apples, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that for sure does. That for sure does. And I think, yeah. You know, yeah, I agree with that. Hundred percent agree with the barrier to entry. Like, similar to Pixel Vault, like these these uh, ecosystems that are a bit difficult to understand because there's like if quite a few say NFTs. You know, the chapters and Akutars. You know, Pixel Vault has a bunch of other NFTs as well, and how they all fit in together when we have maybe like outdated media and medium articles that you know are out there and haven't maybe been updated because like there are kind of moving goalposts, like these projects are evolving, you know, like as, you know, every day things are probably changing behind the scenes. And then how is that, you know, relayed to holders and, and especially, you know, like to onboard new holders um, when, yeah, I guess the value proposition isn't super clear because a lot of the time we're waiting on maybe information from, from these projects that are a little bit more difficult to understand. Well, guys, we're uh, we're getting close to that magical one hour mark, but uh, we always have to get a little personal. Yeah. I love you're from you're from Canada. Or you're from Australia. I am from Canada. I was born there, and my my dad is a Canadian. My mom is an Aussie, um, so I kind of spent time growing up between the two countries. So my question is a Canadian question. Yeah, poutine. And I, I don't know if I said it, the Canadian. Poutine. <laughs> you do it, do it with your British accent. When you're eating poutine, <laughs> what is your favorite kind of gravy? Oh my goodness. Favorite kind of gravy. Um, Cause I, 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 let me help you. So I've been to Canada a few times and I get it. And like it's usually like this like shredded kind of beef like with like a thick gravy but then i get the american version and it's like got this cheese curd and it's on like french fries a little different it doesn't hit the same as it does north of the border yeah yeah i mean we yeah we have great poutine up there um 
all sorts i i mean cheese so cheese curds are very like typically kind of we like that in canada you know like a lot of places put you know, places just put shredded cheese you know on top uh that i've been to outside of canada and i'm like what what is this shit um you're slandering my whole whole country at this or culture at this moment um so yeah, it, like, it is a popular it is like 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 the like it like I'm, it's not like something americans just kind of think that you know at least this american thinks like it's a it's a canadian thing it is a it is very popular it's a hundred percent a canadian thing and especially because like we don't this i mean besides like what, pancakes and maple syrup like i don't really know of too many like canadian foods you know so like if you're like what's a canadian like canadian dish it's like okay like yeah uh, poutine is up there so yeah anything with cheese curds and then when you get into like adding pulled pork like yeah pulled pork and like lots of meat on there as well and just like yeah thick gravy i don't, I don't know just well, it's so delicious and it probably is like lowering your lifespan by a few years but i mean so so worth it yeah uh the, my my last uh canadian th uh thing so i spent a number of years playing poker professionally and canada has some fierce professional poker players it, now they once black friday when they shut down internet gambling a lot of americans moved to vancouver because they could jump across the border toronto is known for having like some of the best professional poker players i believe daniel negranu is the most famous from there i don't know what your poker um experience is if that's something that resonates with you uh but are canadians just better gamblers than uh, the rest of the world uh i don't know about that i don't know i mean i know that you know the extent of my poker abilities is uh ending up drunk at the casino at the end of the night and losing probably a hundred dollars um <laughs> But so I'm I'm not a great gambler by any means. I um, but yeah I know I know quite a few people that are in, into into gambling up here. Maybe maybe it's the weather because like you know very cold. So it's like a lot of a lot of weekend nights. You'd get together with the boys and have like a poker night. You know when it's when it's snowing outside or something like that. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say our acumen in poker is for the the prairies and out east and. Uh, where it's cold and then you you uh you americans took over vancouver do, have you ever do you ever watch the show letter kenny i do i do i love letter kenny oh good i love it too I, it's so I, good do you understand it i've watched i've watched uh i've binged both the full series twice the second nice. time i got it much it was much funnier the second time because i could finally pick up on it but yeah you know to be fair yeah to be fair no I, re I recommend any any american should watch letter kenny and that is how like kind of how yeah small town canadian country people uh i'll stop at hicks but that's kind of <laughs> how they that kind of how they talk you know especially I, especially I, I felt like it was like uh the south you know in, in the united states with the canadian accent like that's yeah no exactly you get ho hockey fights yeah, yeah no yeah no it, it it's an amazing show so uh girls have definitely become snipers and rockets and and what's great is yeah you got a selly yeah one of my <laughs> best uh friends um you know he's from uh he's from canada he was a professional wrestler and and so we we still go to the hockey games like the king's games and stuff and so now i feel like a better connection because like like he he would always call like the hockey players like the boys, and I was like, why are you just, why are you always call them boys? These dudes are huge, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be good. Yeah, they yeah. So. No, it's good. Good expanding your horizons on different uh yeah like niches within cultures. Well, if I haven't uh, bored Ox to death with my uh, Canadian prowess, uh, what you got last for us, big man? Surely the word isn't poutine; it's poutine, correctly. I mean, correct. How do you poutine. pronounce? Yeah, poutine. poutine. So, yeah, not not, not poutine like you said, Mister Mister Jason. Yeah, <laughs> if you have multiple dishes, it's poutine. <laughs> so I, I currently live in Chicago, and I think I do cold very very well, right? So it it can be uh, you know negative five for a week, a week and a half, and and no problem. Last year I went to Montreal, 
and I landed in Montreal and it was, it snowed 25 inches and then it proceeded to get to negative 25 degrees. And I realized I didn't do cold as nearly as good as I thought I did. How do you, how do you do with that kind of cold in, in Canada? Uh, well, actually, I, I moved to Australia because of that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did so, uh, it, it was incredible. Yeah, you're bringing my PTSD back. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, I, well, Vancouver is obviously like, more temperate. So yes. it just rains, rains a lot there. So like seasonal depression was more my issue. Um, not seeing like the sun for 280 days of the year or something like that. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like I lived on the prairies in Saskatchewan and it, we yeah, got to those, uh, the temperatures you're talking about. And it just, I don't know, it just, it breeds a different kind of person. I don't know. Life can slap you in the face and it's just like, cause you've lived through, you know, yeah, digging out your car from, from a mound of snow before you have to go to work and it's just like another day. I don't know. It's just, it, yeah, it breeds some sort of mental fortitude where just life can continually beat you up. I feel like it's the weather's doing it as well so yeah joe rogan always says that like uh, boston comedians are so great because they deal with the cold and boy does canada have a lot of comedians coming out of there too so you must be able to just you just get beat so bad with the cold that you just become funny exactly resilience yeah Yeah. i don't have that when you lose a couple toes you know you gotta be able to laugh it off (laughs) I guess my last thing is I've always wanted to go to Australia and visit the Great Barrier Reef. Have you seen that by chance? I have. Yeah. Are you going to come down? I am. I'm 100. percent I'm coming down to see that. Well, you and Jason should come, come, uh, come down, and uh, we'll we'll go. But um, I've been yeah out snorkeling and scuba diving on the on the Great Barrier Reef probably I think three times now, and I'm actually going up there. Uh, just before Christmas. So that's actually where I'll probably be when Aku World is on. I'll be uh, swimming in Northern Queensland on the Great Barrier Reef, but it, it's amazing. Like the the type of diving and snorkeling you can do up there and just like the, the color of the fish, the like the reef, if you get like the reef in like a good spot where there hasn't like no bleaching has occurred. But I've, I've heard that um, that because of the lack of tourists in Australia, that the reef has kind of kind of bounced back so probably oh. in the next year or two it might be a good time to time to check it out while it's still alive is there a have you been to another type of reef like i've done i've done some diving like in hawaii and uh i went to belize and uh snorkeled around their reef and stuff have you been to another reef to kind of just draw a comparison on how great the great barrier reef is uh i've only been to uh probably a, a reef in hawaii but it was i don't know i don't think it was like a it wasn't like a tourist spot we'll say that so right. I, I don't really have too much of a comparison yeah i i went to belize to the blue hole i don't google it it's like this looks like a meteor just you know, hit the ocean and it's like super deep uh it was cool it wasn't uh what you know national geographic makes the great barrier reef to look like so mm-hmm. um we don't we definitely gotta gotta make that trip you know and we've made that's what's so great about this community not just in aku but like nfts you know um like we were talking off camera about our our guy wades from the nba top shot days uh you know the ruler of squanch land um you know i've got my buddy uh caradine that's down adelaide like we've definitely got some australian connections and a big part of that's from uh the nft space you know mm-hmm. and that's what that's what's the coolest thing ever you know is is being uh being truly international and global yeah no i, I completely agree the connect the connections i'm like i'm making in the space are just kind of like mind-blowing the opportunities like you get through these connections it's just like you wouldn't have in a lot of other fields you know like we're all kind of becoming experts and finding our own ways and even me just like I think like the anonymity, uh, like being able to use my profile picture and just you know, create a different like person has like really kind of empowered me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love what NFTs stand for and I love what the connection I made connections I'm making and like what I'm becoming through, through them. Well, we always end the show uh, by utilizing said connections. So our question is, who would you like to see next on the Moon God channel? And the caveat is 
You have to be able to help us get them. Ooh, who would I like to see on the Moon God channel? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out AG on there. I think I think he's still at still a Moon God. So I, I'd like I'd like to hear you guys riff about uh riff about um Top Shot, and I feel like he would be a little bit more combative than than my uh my personality. He he's definitely on the list. I wanted to wait uh, to reach out to him until basketball season was in full swing to get, you know, I, I need him to get in, you know, like, you know, top shape, top regular season form. Can't have him, you know, show up as like a season shape, you know, an early season shape. So got to get him, you know, ready for that Christmas game. Yeah, true, true. Or, or maybe DH. He hasn't, he, I, I haven't seen him in the, in the discord for a while. Yeah. that's a good one. I know he exudes positivity and he was great at like the Aku World event. Yeah. Well, we're going to miss you in Miami this year, but uh, I guess we'll just have to make some. Maybe Aku World goes to Australia at some point now that it's open again. You know. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike is going everywhere. So, I mean, might, might as well have an Australian next, right? Got to have some extra seats on those PJs. Exactly. Exactly. No, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was a, was a blast. Lovox, closing comments. Wiggles, thanks again for your time. You know, much appreciated, and I love your insight. Cheers, Ox. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for another episode of To the Moon God Pod. You know, nothing better than connecting with Wiggles today and all the Aku members, especially our Moon Gods. You know, that's what this channel is all about. So be sure, like, subscribe, comment. You know, we're not begging, we're just asking. And that's how we will spread the amazing message of Aku and just show uh, what amazing members we have. I've said it before. I believe that the moon god is going to be, if not already, one of the ultimate masterminds. And so being a part of it and then, you know, also being a part of Aku in general, um, you know, we talked about the connections that we make globally, locally. I, you know, I found out, you know, there's people down the street, summer actually lives like 10 minutes away from me here in LA, you know, uh, the world gets much smaller and more empowering when we're all together. So that's going to do it for this episode. We will see you next time.